Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy, Q. Here we are kicking off hour number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We do so with our good friend John McClain, formerly of the Houston Chronicle. And, John, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. And I want to start off talking about Lester Hayes and Mike Haynes. I got a chance to talk to both those guys on Saturday at the Raiders headquarters. And, of course, Lester Hayes being a Houston guy, Mike Haynes originally from Texas as well. How dominant of defensive backs, a duo, were those two guys in their heyday? They were totally different players. Mike was uh, the really athletic, smooth, smart, instinctive corner. He had great size. Lester was a former linebacker from Texas A&M who made the change to corner. He was very physical. He got up in people's faces. Back then, you could play a whole different game than you could play now. And he was infamous for going over the sideline and putting stick'em on his hands. <laughs> and Monday Night Football used to show him just slopping that stuff all over his hands. And he led the league in interceptions and got the stick'em outlawed. And uh, Lester, I thought several times when he was a finalist for the Hall of Fame, he'd have a chance to get in. Now I think he's moved to the veterans category, and we've asked the veterans each year to three which I think would be good for him. But I'll tell you what, if you go back in the history of pro football, the best secondary I've ever seen was Detroit when it had, let's see, Dick LeBeau, mm. Yale Larry, Night Train Lane, and Lim Barney, and they're all in all of fame. But the corners with Mike Haynes and Lester Hayes and their style and style of play that the Raiders played then and won Super Bowls, uh, there's never been a better pair. Nice. I like it. And I'll tell you what, talking to him, and I get to talk to him uh, quite a bit, but talking to him in person was fun. I mean, Lester is just such a character. It was so much fun talking to him. And he talked about, and I'm sure you're very aware of this, he talked about Pat Thomas. He shared a story about Pat Thomas at Texas A&M, how he thought he was the best corner ever. And he said the only people who thought Pat Thomas was the best corner ever were people from Texas because everyone else knew it was Mike Haynes. What are your thoughts on Pat Thomas? P.T. P.T. played with the Rams. They had a great secondary. They had three tremendous players. And Pat was an assistant coach with the Oilers when I covered the Oilers. Mm. Just a really good guy and a really good player as well. But if you had to take one of those guys as a corner, I think you'd take Lester Hayes. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, he was telling the stories about how much he loved Pat, and he said that Pat actually taught him uh, how to be corner. And then he said that Mike Haynes, he, he, he couldn't stand Mike Haynes while he was in New England, and then all of a sudden he got a chance to play with him, and he loved him. So he actually said God had a, a sense of humor. <laughs> so they don't make corners. If you, you know, I, don't, I think Mike's, what, 6'2"? Yep. Now, the game was different back then. You had bigger corners. Mel Blunt of the Steelers is in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Mel was 6'3". It wasn't about running a 4-3 or 4-4. It was about hitting those receivers at the line of scrimmage, hitting them all over the field, which you could do, staking with them, knocking them off their route, intimidating them, and then being very physical when the ball got there. And so that's what it was all about. If a corner came out built like Mike Haynes today and had his brain and his instincts, he might be the first corner taken first overall. 
He, he does have uh, great intelligence, and I'm going to play that interview with Mike Haynes coming up at 4 o'clock, and I'll tell you, they, uh, man, he, he broke some stuff down, and it just it, it's unbelievable to me, like how he just breaks down what he was looking for out there on the corner. Again, we're talking with John McClain here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Today was the first day of mandatory minicamp, uh, so obviously everyone's got to be there, and they were in attendance. How much teaching goes on right now, John? Let me backtrack a second. Van McElroy, who played safety for the Raiders, third-round pick. Van was a great high school player in Texas, great player at Baylor, mm-hmm. won a Super Bowl ring with the Raiders. Van is from Uvalde, where the high, where the kids and the teachers were shot. He yeah. still lives in Uvalde. He's mm. a retired agent, and his dad was a high school coach. And uh, Van was the prototypical Raiders safety. So you had those great corners who could run and were physical and you wanted headhunters at safety and boy the the biggest (laughs) the Raiders against the Steelers back during the early 70s my goodness the things that safety George Atkinson could get away with then he'd be put in prison today (laughs) the things he did to Lynn Swan Lynn's just standing there after a play's over and here comes Atkinson with pounding him with his forearm and his helmet and knocking him, giving him a concussion, knocking him out. Those those things were unbelievable. And when I was talking about Raiders had great defensive backs. Al Davis got all his publicity for having quarterbacks who could throw the deep ball down the sideline and then have like Fred Blitnikoff in the middle of the field. And But he had a certain kind of defense that he wanted, led by certain kinds of defensive backs, and when I was just thinking back to all the great DBs that the Raiders had, and I thought about Van, Van McElroy because of you validating the fact that I went to Baylor. Now, your other question, <laughs> all of OTAs and the minicamp are about teaching. Can't put on pads any time during the off season. First time they'll put on pads is three days into training camp. And they still don't hit like they used to. So it's all about mental. And uh, you watch those coaches. You can't teach a rookie like a seven or eight year veteran. That's why a position coaches got to know how to handle players, especially new players, whether they're rookies or free agents. You just, that's one of the arts of coaching, too, is knowing who you can coach how. And I love watching position coach, whether it's OTAs or training camp, because once in a year in the season, we don't get to see them at practice doing that, but that's one of the things I love about being able to go at this time of year. All right, John, coming up on Sunday, you're throwing out the first pitch <laughs> at the Astros game. How much training is going into the big day? Well, truthfully, uh, I used to be a softball, baseball playing fool, and now I haven't thrown. Uh, Q was there. We've had a softball reunion at Waco for 38 years, and I quit playing about 12 I quit playing about 12 or 13 years ago and then just managed. And so I've been outside warming up. And because I got a torn rotator cuff, I can't make a normal throwing motion. So there goes my fastball. You know, I was wondering if I could hit triple digits. And so I do have a motion left enough where I can throw it. And I'm going to try to throw it over the catcher's head. I don't care if I hit the backstop. I just 
don't want to bounce the ball. <laughs> that is the key. All right. No, that is the key. Don't bounce the ball. I threw out the first pitch at Baylor one day, and Steve Rodriguez used to be the head coach there and said, Q, just don't bounce the ball. And I said, okay. And I threw it to the side. So it was like it was side, and it almost well, it kind of bounced. It, it, it didn't look good. Let's put it like that. It didn't look good. So, well, yeah, that John. that doesn't surprise me as somebody used to watch you play. You, know, <laughs> you, you would be a great designated hitter. I can I can do some good things in the outfield, John. I'm pretty good at, at, at fielding too. <laughs> yeah, whatever you say, kid. Whatever you say. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to make it out there for the tournament this week or this uh, I hope th- this you year. Do. July second, we'll be there. I'm trying we'll to make it. Thank you. I promise you, I need to I need to take my home run title back. So I'm trying to do that again. We're talking with John McClain, formerly of the Houston Chronicle, here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. And and, and John, I know you're worn out talking about Deshaun Watson. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the and you've seen everyone's seen the the latest from the New York Times. Um, just a whole lot more continues to roll out, roll out, roll out, and it doesn't matter. The Browns signed up to a massive deal, but what were your thoughts on the latest from the Times? It's still a big story here, as you can imagine. Yeah. But I'm sure getting a kick out of all my Cleveland friends. And I'm telling them, oh, man, I'm so glad it's you now that I stay on top of it. First, let's go back. There were 23rd and 24 lawsuits. 23rd and 24th were filed. Civil suits. They're not much different than the first 22. But then last Friday, Rusty Harden, Watson's attorney, was on Sports Radio 610, the Texans flagship I'm on in Houston, and he talked about happy endings and massages are not illegal as long as you don't pay extra money for them. And a lot of people didn't like that, and Rusty got blasted everywhere. Then he came out this afternoon and said he wasn't talking about Watson. It was hypothetical. And so he's probably only person's probably happy about this New York Times stories because right now nobody's talking about happy endings again. And what the New York Times had that was new is 66 women who had appointments with him over a year and a half period. We knew there were at least 44 based on what we know publicly. And now that there's 66, he didn't go through with all of them or they didn't go through with all of them. And they wonder how many more are out there that, that just disappeared because they didn't want to be involved in any way. And the people wonder, Oh my God, I wonder if the, Browns have buyer's remorse. They knew things like this could happen any day, mm-hmm. and they knew when they gave $230 million that at some point this will be behind it. Might be six months, a year, two years, five years. But once it is, he is a great quarterback. And they're good with that, and that's what they're good with. John, let me ask you this, because in this piece, it talked about the Texans and asking the women to sign NDAs. What did you think of that part of it? Well, people are getting that wrong. What its story says is after a woman went public on Instagram Mm. and published his home number and something else and said, I could do serious damage to you, he went to the director of security Mm. and he said, well, he'd get him some non-disclosure agreements and put them in his locker. So I think that's probably what any security director would have done. What are they going to do? Call the police? No. They're (laughs) going to do what they can because nobody knew the extent of what he was involved in. It was just him and them. And then there's talking about they arranged him a membership to Houstonian, our most exclusive resort. Well, there's a lot of athletes, coaches, general managers that are members of the Houstonian. I would love to be. And most of them don't use their their name. They don't want people to know it's very private. 
So they helped him get his initial membership years ago. And uh, so it's it's amazing what all's going on. And uh, it's dominating every talk show, the news, websites. And I'm sure at some point, you know, Watson going back wishes he had settled the first one for $100,000. And then it all would have gone away. Right, no doubt about it. Again, we're talking with John McClain here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Uh, the other day, Jimmy G uh, was told that he didn't have to go to mandatory minicamp. He's, you know, he's resting the, the surgically repaired arm. Uh, how, how long do you think it'll take before he gets traded? Well, whenever he can show another team, he can throw the football again. You know, he didn't have, like Mayfield, his non-throwing shoulder. Mm-hmm. He had his throwing shoulder. And as someone who had my had had his shoulder replaced, Shoulder injuries, they, they're tough. They take a long time and a lot of rehab. And so I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo's getting traded before the trading deadline. Mm. And what if, just what if, Trey Lance struggles to start? They've right. still got Jimmy G, who's supposed to be ready by then. But they'll give Trey Lance every advantage. But then if he struggles and he might need to sit and watch for a while, Jimmy Garoppolo's the perfect quarterback to come in and steer the team until – Lance is ready to take over. What do you think about Mayfield now? Where do, where do you think he goes next, if anywhere? A lot of people are thinking, well, he stays there, and if Watson's suspended for most of the season, he would be the starter. The problem with that cue is if he gets hurt, he's untradeable. Right. Last year in the second game of the season, he threw an interception in Cleveland against the Texans, charged down the field, tried to make the tackle, hurt his shoulder, bothered him all year, and he wasn't worth a darn. Now he's gotten surgery on it. Just like people wondered why the Texans didn't do more with Watson last year. Well, they were trying to trade him for three number one draft choices. They weren't going to do anything stupid and risk injury. He'd blown out his knee as a rookie just tossing a ball in practice with nobody around him. So I don't see Mayfield playing because if he threw a couple interceptions in the first game, people would say he's throwing the game. And if he played really well and he helped him win, that would be the best thing. But I just don't see it. There's a reason they signed Jacoby Brissett. He started for multiple teams, and he's a serviceable part-time starter. Yeah, John, Aaron Donald, he signed a new contract, and annually he's going to be above $30 million a year. Do you see another defensive player getting close to, like, making $30 million, or is Aaron Donald just an elite case here? Yeah, it's going to – like Jeffrey Simmons at Tennessee, a great defensive tackle, doesn't get as much attention. He's not going to get what Donald gets, but he's going to get somewhere in that neighborhood. T.J. Watt may wish he hadn't signed, but he, although he got a great deal. But he's a tremendous pass rusher. But Donald's one of the all-time greats. He deserves it. It's going to be up in 2025 when he'll be like 34 or something like that. So I think it's great the way the Rams have been able to take care of their key people. And I also think uh, Cooper Cup is next up to get that big contract from the defending Super Bowl champions. They just It shows all this whining by teams to say, we can't do this, we can't do that, because we got too many people with big cap figures. The Rams are showing if you want to get it done, you can get it done. I've been saying that for the longest time. If they want to get it done, they want to keep you, they'll find a way to keep you. John, final question for you. When is Lamar Jackson going to come to the table with the Ravens and sign a deal? Okay, he doesn't have an agent. I'm sure he's got an advisor besides his mom. And if he looks what he's accomplished compared to what Deshaun Watson has accomplished, he deserves more than $230 million 
guaranteed. He's been an MVP. He's won playoff game. I think, and Watson has won a playoff game too. But I think that that the line starts right in front of Watson. Mm. Now the Browns will try to pass it out. Oh no, that was an outlier. That that's that's not going to be the the what we're working off of. And the Ravens will fight that, but they want to get a deal done. Right. The coach, the owner, the GM have all said they'd like to get it done. The football is in Jackson's court. And, of course, for a guy that was hurt a lot last year, missed, I think, seven games, he's taken a hell of a chance. Yeah, no, he really is, and we'll see what happens. But, uh, man, that's going to be a lot of money that he signs for when he does sign. Well, John, I know you're doing a lot of work. You're tweeting a lot. Uh, what else you got going on we need to be on the lookout for? Well, I'm doing podcasts. I'm doing talk shows. My Twitter, McLean underscore. <laughs> On underscore NFL, I'm tweeting about everything from Adam Sandler's new movie about the NBA, which has more players and more general managers, owners, coaches, broadcasters in it than any sports movie I've ever seen. And I thought it was pretty good. And then I'm going to, I tweet about things going on around the league and Deshaun Watson. There you go. Well, John, thank you so much for your time. It's always great. We'll catch up next week. Q and DeMond, thank you guys very much. There he goes. John John McClain, the Hall of Famer, with us here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. It's always great to catch up with John for uh, however long we catch up with him. And he always has some really good stories. Love what he said about Lester Hayes and Mike Haynes and even took us back and said, you know what, let me me backtrack and talk about Van McElroy and that whole – defensive unit that secondary that the Raiders had and again if you uh, just tuning in Mike Haynes you'll hear the conversation I had with him on Saturday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center you'll hear that coming up at four o'clock coming up next we want to hear from you 702-365-9200-69187 keyword R&R that's the Sam and Ash text line let us know Outside of Derek Carr, who do you think the most important player that the Raiders have is and if they were missing from the team from the roster from minicamp that would be a big deal. Let us know about it. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation. This is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time! Welcome back, Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Planned on letting you hear from... Tight end Darren Waller, and we're going to do that about 3.30. We'll do that. He was at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr, Darren Waller all spoke. Also, I planned on letting you hear from John Abram at 4.30, but he didn't speak to the media. So, <laughs> can't let you do what he didn't do. You know, can't let you hear what he didn't do. So, uh, maybe we'll hear from John Abram tomorrow. Uh, we will be at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center uh, not only tomorrow, but also on Thursday. So uh, we'll have a couple more media sessions, and then they'll have one more set of OTAs, and then they're going to shut it on down. And then when they shut it on down, it's going to be on down for a while until we get around to training camp. So uh, you'll get a little bit of a lull, but of course, Radio 920 will continue to bring the heat uh, as we do each and every day. Of course, with the morning tailgate, Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang, and others going to be a part of that. JT the Brick, he's out vacationing right now, so Harry Ruiz has been filling in for him. And then, of course, myself and DeMond, we go 2 to 5 p.m. each and every day. Unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Want to hear from you, though, 702-365-9200. Also, the Salmon Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Let's go out to Berkeley. Let's go out to the five and dime. Talk to our guy, Raider Fish. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. <laughs> Woo! Hey, let's go. 
Oh, baby, I got a couple things to say. First and foremost, uh, I think the nation needs to familiarize themselves with the law firm of 4D. The 4D law firm, that's Derek, Darren, Devontae. But to answer your question, we can't forget about that 4D. That's two. Daniel Cole Cole kicking it Carlson. Man, we got to make sure he's all right because he's going to be an important piece, baby, important piece. But before I go, hey, I need you to use your contacts, or maybe Mr. Davis is listening. But we need, we need, okay? I'm double emphasizing that word, need. Okay. We want and need Greg Papa back on the radio. We got to get that touchdown Raiders going, baby. Get Greg Papa back, and I'm out for now. Love both of you. Let's go, Raiders. There he goes, Raider Fer- Fish in Berkeley right there. Great call, my man. Definitely appreciate you. I like the the breakdown of the four Ds, Derek, Darren, Devontae, and Daniel Carlson, who was money. He was money throughout the course of uh, the year, right? How many times did they have walk-off wins? I mean, that dude was, I mean, just the, 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 the guy. And it's funny, uh, between him and A.J. Cole, man, I mean, those are two really good kickers in in the special teams unit you know and it was funny I was talking to Eddie Pascal today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center and uh, we were standing it's so funny the special teams field is right next to where the media stands so it's like the special teams field a field and then there's the field where all the guys are practicing on so it's the farthest way away is the actual practice field where like Derek Carr and Devontae Adams and all that are but the special teams unit is really close to us and so uh, one of the comments that Eddie said to me was Kind of reminds you of the Raiders of old, right? Having a really good uh, special teams unit when it comes to the punter and the kicker. And I'm thinking, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You know, kind of goes back to Seabass uh, and Leckler, you know? I mean, just – and, look, the Raiders have traditionally always had, like, a really good punter, right? I mean, you can go to uh, Marquette King. I mean, you, you know, there's just kicker after kicker. Ray Guy, obviously. I mean, hell, he's got an award after him. I mean, they've got kicker after kicker. Uh, back in the day, even uh, when George Blanda was kicking, he was doing a little bit of everything, right? Quarterback, kicker. I mean, he could – hell, he could probably block for himself. He could do everything. But, uh, yeah, the, the Raiders have always had really good special teams unit and, and really good uh, kickers and, and uh, field goal kickers and punters as well. So uh, thank you so much for that call, my man. I do appreciate you. How about we take one more call? Raider X, what's on your mind? Welcome to Unnecessary Roughness. What's up, Q and DeMond? Chilling, man, chilling. Hey, I don't know if I can break it down to one dude you were saying besides Derek Carr. I got three guys and uh, two of two of them, three dudes. I got three dudes. <laughs> uh, two on the on the on the defensive side. It all depends on who's actually going to wear the dot. So is it going to be Perriman or going to be Drawn Harmon? So you know Perriman because you know he's the Mike. Uh, Harmon because I think he's bringing that system, bringing that knowledge, kind of a little bit of lingo. I know he's not so much. I think he a little, little bit has a little bit of an edge on on the individuals, but is he going to be calm? Is he going to calm that defense from the back? Lastly, I think Devonte Adams because you know not only you know they're learning a new scheme, but I think that he's going to elevate that whole team by the team getting excited, getting their getting their their you know their swag on, watching how fast the chemistry. They're all watching. The whole team is watching how fast him and Carr get on the same page, not only from a throwing standpoint, but from also that playbook and watching how they're going to gel because he already knows, you know, the step inside the playbook of, you know, Renfro and Waller. I understand different plays, a little different terminology, but how he's going to fit in that niche, 
you know, I, I think you talked about or somebody talked about not that long ago, you know, you got a lot of a lot of players with a lot of I mean you got three ballers out there right now and you only got one ball. And right. they're used to making a lot of catches and have a lot of percentage of that offense. How are you going to distribute it? And I, and I, I think you were talking about, you know, um, the great Lester. You know, Lester you know, Lester was out there saying, you know, it's we. It's not I. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Renfo talks about that, too. And Waller keeps saying that. You know, you get Devontae, smart dude. And he breaks it down saying, hey, you know what? We got to share it. We're, we're about the wins. You know, it's not about that stat. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's all about how that offense is going to be called. So those are the three. You know, I don't think anybody is going to outweigh all that. You know, Devontae has a big special place, I think, on both sides of the ball. People are, like I said, this, this, we're all excited because Chandler Jones, you know, you got a new scheme. You got a, you got a defensive coordinator that's going to take it to a new level. I'm really excited about Graham. Yeah. But then this, this, this Devontae. That man, that's the icing, bro. He got a nice fluffy cake, but you know we need some icing, and that's the icing. He's definitely that cherry on top, and uh, that's really going to push this this team not only from a from a from a, a team that's going into the playoffs with a head of steam, but that's going to go down there kicking down some doors. We are kicking down some doors, brother. Hey, love you guys, man. You guys have a blessed day. Take care now, Ray. Thanks so much for the call. I do appreciate you, my man. Good stuff. And I'll tell you this, and I got to actually – the beauty of being at the house and being able to watch the uh, the TV while I'm doing the show, I actually got to rewind. I just looked up – I always have ESPN on. Uh, I know everyone's not a big fan of that at all times, but I look up right now as, uh, as Raider X was talking, and it says on the screen, Unstoppable Raiders. How often do you get that? How often is that the headline on ESPN? Unstoppable Raiders. I got. I'm actually gonna pause it. Take the picture. Tweet I'm it trying out to. Knows. I'm trying to. Hold on, man. I'm, work with me here, brother. Work with me. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now, and you know it's funny because Rich Eisen, he's been talking about the Raiders a lot. He obviously comes on before the JT the Brick Show right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. He's been talking about it. He doubled down even on Twitter today. He said, "I'm all the way in on the Raiders." I mean, he's 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 that guy, and there's a lot of folks that are talking about. The Raiders all of a sudden, you know, I know Raider Nation, I like to bring these guys up and I like to bring these headlines up because so many times Raider Nation gets mad. It's like, oh, nobody talks about us, yada, yada, yada. And when they do, nobody brings it to their attention. So, oh, dang it. I tried to pause it. And when I pause it, it says pause on the screen. Oh, there it goes. All right, hold on. I'm going to get it right now. I'm going to tweet it out. Uh, (laughs) This is live, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I could throw the wallet, but I want to take this picture first. So, yeah, I just think – plus I want to speak on it. I think that it's, you know, it's it's starting to come around what the Raiders have, and I think people, more people are starting to take into consideration uh, Josh McDaniels and what he brings to the table and how Devontae Adams, how Darren Waller, how, you know, Hunter Renfro, how Josh Jacobs and, and this running game, you know, the running attack with multiple running backs, how this really could be dynamic. I mean, it goes back to the defense. What can the defense do to, to complement this offense? And obviously Max Crosby is going to do everything he can. He's a ball of energy. Uh, obviously Chandler Jones is going to do everything he can. Who's the other guys that are going to step up and make plays as well? You know, uh, like Raider X said, is it going to be Denzel Perriman on, on, uh, with the green dot? Is it going to be Jerron Harmon? Could it be Trayvon Merrick? I mean, there's, there's so many different options out there. That's what excites me and gets me fired up about the potential. But as DeMond said, I can't pitch to Darren Wallace, so let's go ahead and do that. He was at the podium at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center a little bit before we went on the air today. Here is that conversation. Was there, Darren, you've got a few calls. 
uh, questions about your contract uh, this offseason. Um, is it something that you're, you feel good about moving forward that things are going to work out uh, the way, as they should here with the Raiders or your kind of thoughts about it? Uh, yeah, I just focus on enjoying it while I'm here, whether I'm here 10 years or who knows how long, you know, just being present here. And, you know, my agent's job is to do that stuff, and I just focus on the football part because if you don't focus on football and your mind's elsewhere, you, know, you got to be locked in. It's professional, so uh, I try to be a professional every day. Darren, this offense has done a lot for tight ends and spotlighting them. I'm curious, now that you've got it to see, you've looked at a playbook, what are your early thoughts just about being in this offense, please? Uh, I'm excited. Uh, it's asking me to do a lot of things. Um, you know, we watch a lot of tape of, you know, Rob Gronkowski running wild uh, from just old New England clips and stuff like that. Uh, so it's exciting to see different ways that I'll be used. Um, and yeah, I'm very excited about it. It's a challenge. It's a challenging system, but I love a, a good challenge. I think it's bringing the best out of us. Darren, you've been double teamed a lot for the last couple of years. It'd be a little, little bit hard for defenses to do that now that you're playing with Devontae Adams. That's also something that he's dealt with in his career. You know, how can kind of have each other on the field with one another game out when it comes to getting less focus from defense? Uh, yeah, I guess it, it makes defenses make decisions. Probably, um, I mean, if they keep do if they keep double me, then that's fine. Like, I mean, have, have single cover Devonta Adams if you want to, you know, or Hunter Renfro. So, uh, yeah, I feel like it helps us out. We can all complement off of each other, and I feel like you know somebody like Josh Jacobs and and Kenyon and Amir, guys like that, would benefit too because if they want to play a lot of zone, then it opens up things in the run game. So I feel like it allows the entire offense to be to complement off each other when somebody demands attention. Yeah, it does. I mean, Hunter is shifty as can be, like underneath. And then if you got people trying to, you know, keep you from taking the top off with Devontae and, you know, whatever they may try to do against me, is like Hunter is as good as anybody can get as slipping in between zones and, you know, making a linebacker or somebody in that area on him miss. Uh, I don't think there's very many people that are better than him at doing that. So I feel like people like Devontae and I help him to just be able to just take over underneath and have a field day. Darren, everything that you guys overcame last year, winning 10 games, making the playoffs, pushing the Bengals almost to overtime, adding who you guys have added this year, do you feel like expectations um, are at a heightened level coming into this offseason and going into the training? Yeah, I do believe they are. And I mean, as they should be, uh, who wouldn't want the expectations to be high, you know? Because like you said, we feel like the character was developed last year. And you add talent to the mix, you have a mixture of talent and character. And I feel like that's what allows you to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So I feel like we welcome those expectations. You talk about the positives of all these great, talented players. I know it's cliche, but on a serious level, is there enough balls to go around for everybody that uh, these great players that have succeeded so much in the NFL, is that going to work? Right. Yeah, no, that's a good question because it's like, I mean, you see a, an NBA team, you know, remember like when the Heat got the big three, it's like the first year, it may not click like the way they wanted to because it's like it takes chemistry. It, it works great on like Madden and 2K, but it's like, you know, guys got to guys gotta accept roles and know, okay, this is the situations that I do best in and then just bring a certain level of unselfishness to the table and know that everything that we do is about the team, you know. Certain guys, we've accomplished individual things on our own, and now it's like, okay, how do we, you know, maybe sacrifice that a little bit to help you know, the collective achieve what they want to achieve. You talked about becoming a leader last few years. And how fun has that process been? And are you now at a new level now this year? You see yourself kind of as a 
establish as a, as a team leader and kind of have a voice now that people? Yeah, I feel like I'm uh, finding my role as a leader, you know. Um, I feel like, uh, I don't know, there's a story that I was told about, uh, it's like wolves and it's like how a wolf can like lead from the back. You don't always have to be in the front, like giving the speech and being like Ray Lewis to be a leader, you know, because I'm more quiet than that. I'm a little more reserved. So it's like I can see somebody that, maybe struggling with something in the offense or may have had a bad play and they may hang their head, but just like, you know, trying to give them an encouraging word or be the first one to give them a high five when they make a good play, you know, just little things like that and keeping them even keeled when, because, you know, it's a lot of pressure on us. It's a lot of things that can make us high or make us low, but just try to stay in the middle. Darren, I know right now you guys don't have a tight end coach, but you've been doing a lot with Nick Lombardi and doing a lot of receiver drills. Just what's your first thoughts of Nick Lombardi as your new office coordinator? Uh, great teacher, a uh, man that's on the details, a uh, man that has a great spirit about him. He's very excited to, to teach us and to go out there and be with us. He's going to be hard on us, but you know there's love behind it and there's good energy behind it. So, uh, you know, especially the tight end room, we think very highly of him because we're around him the most, but I feel like everybody has that respect for him. Uh, last one, Paul. Darren, how hard or how easy has it been to wrap your mind around everything that's happened to this organization over the past 12 calendar months? Um, it's a lot. <laughs> a lot of thoughts swirling around. Uh, a lot of people that, you know, you build relationships with that, uh, you know, are no longer here. And then you're trying to build new relationships with people, learn a new offensive system. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot, but, I mean, that's the league that we play in. Uh, and we just had to accept it. And there's a lot of things to be excited about as well. The new people, that new coaches, new staff, new players that are here are great people. And, uh, you know, just try to stay in the present moment as much as possible. And like I said, don't get too high, don't get too low off things that happen. And uh, you can weather any kind of storm. And then real quickly, what, what does Rob Gronkowski gone wild look like? Because we, he kind of puts that persona out there anyway. But if you're describing him in an offense, what does that look like to you? Um, I mean, up, ups the seams, over routes, catching short passes and just blowing through people. I mean, catching fade balls on the outside. I mean, he's lining up everywhere doing everything, really. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Aaron. Yep. There's Darren Waller right there, earlier media session at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Gronkowski gone wild. That, and that, could, that could mean a ton of different things, uh, depending on who you are and when you're listening to it. But uh, we all know on the football field, Gronk is an absolute monster. And when he was really at the peak of his game, and uh, really when they had Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski there in, in New England, man, those two dudes were unstoppable, you know. And so I can only imagine how good Darren Waller could be in this offense, especially when you have a Devontae Adams and a Hunter Renfro. And, look, I'm not going to shortchange Foster Moreau. I know he can go out there and play. I know he's not at the top of his game. He's not Aaron Hernandez. He's not Rob Gronkowski, but he could play. He could definitely be a compliment, you know. So uh, I'm interested to see how this offense goes, you know, how Darren Waller is is maximized, his abilities are maximized, because I do think he's such an important key to this offensive machine that they have the potential of being. And, and again, just from being out there at the practice facility and seeing them, uh, especially today, you know, you were able to see Darren Waller, and he just looks like he's in fantastic shape. He's out there running some nice routes. I uh, saw Devontae Adams make a nice catch, and it looked like he was, caught the ball in around. There's about three DBs around him. He went up and made a nice catch. Uh, of course, these guys aren't just going to for kill shots, or they're not trying to hit him, and they're not doing that. There's no phys physicality going on out there. But still, just to see Devontae go up and kind of highball a, one, of, one of DC's passes was pretty cool to see. But uh, they look like they're 
I don't want to say in sync because it's June, you know. So obviously they've got a lot of work to do, but uh, you can tell that they're out there and they're putting in that work and they're trying to get on the same page. And you know, Josh McDaniels is throwing a whole lot at them, and Mick Lombardi is throwing a whole lot at him as the offensive coordinator. Uh, they're getting after it. They really are. So just to continue to see this team develop, and again, it's not going to be very much. We're going to see two more days of mandatory minicamp. Then we're going to get one more session of OTAs uh, when we're able to be out there, and then that's going to be just about it until training camp. And, you know, and, and that's and that's fine. You know, that's just that's kind of how it is. We'll be ready to go. We'll be lathered up. But I'm telling you all this, you know, hearing hearing these press conferences and seeing these guys out there play, man, just get you excited, get you fired up. And I know I asked the question yesterday about what gets you excited about the Raiders. Hell, everything's getting me excited about this upcoming <laughs> season. I mean, seriously, just one, because I feel like I know this like, you know, there's little little outside noise here and there, but there's not half the drama that the Raiders have had the past couple seasons, right? We're not talking about Derek Carr's contract. We're not talking about is he going to get traded. We're not talking about this, that, and the other. We're not talking about this player off the field. I mean, we're not doing any of that stuff right now. Again, like I said, there's little nuggets here and there, but for the, for the most part, it's, hey, there's expectations of this team, like Darren Waller said, uh, to not only be a playoff team, but, but make a deep run. You know, they accomplished one big goal, get to the playoffs. Now you don't want to just stand pat and just make it to the playoffs. Now you want to win in the playoffs. So that's the next step. That's what they have to do, and that's why they go out and make a move for a Devontae Adams. That's why they have Josh McDaniels as the head coach who's a very strong offensive mind. He's a guy that's a very good play caller, and he's going to play dividends in a major way uh, when they're out there on the field. Now, of course, the whole coaching staff is going to have to be the CEOs and do, uh, you know, and control their units and do the best they can. Patrick Graham defensively. You know, obviously Josh McDaniels will do the offensive side of things, but special teams has to play a major role. I mean, there's, there's a lot that has to go into building this team up, but just for – expectations and 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 what i'm you know excited about is is just how this team's built and uh, once they go out there and they get the 53-man roster and they they go out there in that very first game at sofi stadium against the the chargers uh how 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 exciting that that potentially can be 343 is the time we'll come back we'll take your calls and texts we'll close out our number two and then we'll get to mike haynes the hall of famer this is raider nation radio 920 what does it mean to be a raider what to you what does it mean to be a raider Man, being a Raider is not just being a football player. It's not about the just the jersey or just the just the helmet. It's about a lifestyle. It's about it's about loyalty. It's about doing whatever you have to do to help your brothers, to help your family. That's what it's all about. It's never putting yourself above the shield. That's what being a Raider is all about. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. That was Marcel Reese right there. He's got a new role with the silver and black. I know a lot of people had questions. Hey, what's Marcel Reese doing? See him all the time around town. See him out there with the owner, Mark Davis, a lot. What's he doing? Well, Mick Akers from the Review Journal, he had put out. Marcel Reese has a new role with the Raiders as Senior Vice President, Chief of Staff. Apparently, it went into effect around May 21st. He was previously the chief people officer and senior advisor before that. So uh, that's from Mick Akers. And uh, just hearing Marcel Reese right there talk about what it means to be a Raider, thought that I'd go ahead and pass that along. That happened a few days ago, about three or four days ago, but uh, or it was reported three or four days ago. But I just wanted to go ahead and pass that along. 349 is the time. Coming up at 4 o'clock, you'll hear from the Hall of Famer. That's uh that's my guy Mike Haynes. Had a chance to talk to him on Saturday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Uh, I was really blessed to be able to be in that in that kind of setting, man. To have 
two guys who both belong in the Hall of Fame. Haynes is in, but Lester Hayes is not. And we talked to John McClain earlier this hour. It sounds like he'll probably get in at some point uh, under the senior-type role, similar to what uh, Cliff Branch is going to do later on this year in Canton, Ohio, where Raider Nation Radio will be, uh, to make sure that we provide all the coverage of what I expect to be a huge, fantastic party for the late, great Cliff Branch. Of course, the whole Branch family will be there, so uh, we will be there in a major way representing. Uh, so just to be able to be there and talk to those guys in person and you know not be rushed and not have anyone say, all right, well, he's got to go to the next table or he's got this. I mean, that was just – that was great, and it's really – it's probably a shame that more people didn't take advantage of it, but uh, I was glad to be there. And, uh, hey, if I was going to be the, the, the Lone Ranger there, then so be it. I'll be the Lone Ranger. So that was a lot of fun. You'll hear that conversation coming up at 4 o'clock. Let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line, though, at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Raider Mac. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show, my man. Yo, Raider Mac, what up, dog? <laughs> All right. Hey. No. Oh, there he is, Raider Mac. What's up, brother? Hey, what's up, man? Chilling. Hey, Q, I was the one that told you to go get some binoculars after when I heard, uh, what's the name, talking. I called you a couple of days ago, yesterday. I called you and, and told you, hey, go get those, get those binoculars because that's a shame that we have to, you have to be, the media have to be so far yep. uh, away. And you said, and you said something. Hey, uh, this was uh, Say, uh, uh, Q, you know, um, I know we just in pads and stuff, but I, I'm liking what I hear about the defense. That's what I'm my main because I, I know everybody concentrating on the offense. Okay, I think the offense is going to take care of itself with, um, like it always did, even though the red zone was a problem. Um, but I think that's going to be okay. But I'm, I'm liking the things they're saying about the defense and the player I think that's going to that's going to that we can't afford to lose. Is, is going to be, um, I think it's going to be uh, Max Crosby. Okay. We cannot lose Max Crosby because, you know what, if you look at it, I just saw ESPN, he had the most pressure at any DN in the NFL last year. The, you don't have to get the sack. Just pressure the quarterback, and it changed the, the whole thing, Q. But uh, I appreciate everything, man, and I, I, I think I, I, I think that we just need to concentrate on uh, on the defense a little more um, I know we all fired up about the offense, but you you, you can't you look at the Bills. The Bills scored forty some points in that championship. I mean, in that uh, playoff game against Kansas City, they end up losing it. Right, so you gotta play a little defense. Yep, a little defense. Thank you. I appreciate you, man. Go get some binoculars. Hopefully, uh, somebody will turn them in. I mean, they have them in your in, in, uh, laptop. All right, have a good day, man. Uh, hey, thank you for the call, Raider Mac. I appreciate you. Yeah, you did. You told me to go get the binoculars. I went and got them. I went and got them this morning before I went over to uh, Raiders HQ, and they worked well. I got my money's worth. I told you, I got my money's worth today. I can't wait to use them tomorrow and, uh, and, and Thursday as well. And uh, Adam Hill's got me. Adam Hill, he got my bag already. He let me know that he'll meet up with me and give it to me. So we're good to go. Uh, no worries there. I just rushed out of there today and, and didn't think about it until I was pulling up into the driveway, and I was like, oh, dang. I didn't left my backpack because I was, and if it, if it hadn't been for me thinking that I had to email Demond, I wouldn't even have thought about it then. But I had my rundown that I do every single day. I, I plan out the show and I, I emailed to Demond, hey, this is the this is the, the 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 plan, this is the map that we're going to use today. And I realized, oh man, 
I ain't got no map to email DeMond. My bad. So uh, he's right now. DeMond's doing a great job. He's riding blind, man. He don't have any idea what uh, <laughs> what we're supposed to be doing next or when we're going to be doing it. He's just hoping that I have a good memory and that we can do what we do. But as far as the defense, we've been talking about the defense for a while, man. I agree. The defense has got to step up. It's really it's, – it's got to step up make some plays. Uh, I liked what they were able to do last season where they kept the Raiders in some games. They kept the Raiders in a lot of games, kept them within striking range. If they take that next step – and I know pressures are great – I'll say this. Uh, I challenge Max Crosby and Chandler Jones to both get double-digit sacks. I know pressures are great. They are. They change the game, but sacks really change the game. Ask a guy named Aaron Donald who just signed a, what, $95 million extension uh, over the last three years or whatever. I mean, that dude, sacks are, are just so many great things happen when you sack the quarterback, including strip sacks, which turned into turnovers, which the Raiders need to create more of. Let's get one more call in. ABA Ivan Davis, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, how's it going, Q? Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, real quick, uh, I gently disagree with Max Crosby. Man, I'm telling you, Coons is Coons is a Coons is a monster. I really, I really think he's. I, I think he's ready, which is what I think they're gonna put him at outside linebacker. That makes sense because you can just he doesn't have to be in coverage. You can put a hybrid back there and tell him anything that splits out wide, which would be his responsibility. Okay, pick that up, and his job would just be to 100% go rush the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I, I really think that that that, that he, at some point in time he's going to take that over. But uh, as far as the uh, other question, most important person, uh, Devontae Adams, because okay. I mean I I think he's going to I mean he's just going to open up the offense not for just the wide receivers but for everybody, the running game. Any, I mean it's just. It's going to be an offense you simply can't stop, okay? And all of a sudden, it's kind of, it reminds me of when their A's traded Cespedes, okay? And he wasn't even having a good year, but the fear of Cespedes yeah. made all the other players, you know, all-stars, okay? Just the fear. And so the fear of DeMonte Adams is going to make everybody else all-stars, but anyway, I'm sure you, you know, running out of time, all that good stuff. I can talk Raiders forever, man. You know that. <laughs> but anyway, uh Thanks a lot, DeMond. Y'all doing a spectacular job, man. I wouldn't know what to do if I couldn't listen to y'all at least a little bit each day. Appreciate the call, my man. man. Yes, sir. There he goes, ABA Ivan Davis. Good stuff, my man. And, hey, I'll say this. When the A's traded Cespedes, I was mad. I was so mad, man. That guy, you're right. When he, even when he's not, wasn't hitting home runs and having a fantastic season, just his, he just looked like he was intimidating at bat, right? You just knew something positive was going to happen when he was at bat. I was so angry. There's two times that I got angry when it had to do with Cespedes. One, when he went and participated in the home run derby, he was having a hell of a year. He was participating in the home run derby. I think he damn near won it. If he didn't win it, he almost won it. And then he didn't do squat afterwards because I think he hurt himself in the home run derby. So I was like, man, Save your home runs for the season. So that made me mad. And then when the A's traded him, it made me mad as well. 356 is the time. Thank you for that call, my man. When we come back, you'll get to hear from the Hall of Famer, Mike Haynes. Got a chance to catch up with him on Saturday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. That conversation is coming up next on Unnecessary Roughness.